success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and they rarely talk about it because that's not what creates success. Join us here where we'll chat with serial entrepreneurs, both men and women, and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship. We'll talk about the obstacles we faced and how to overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is She's Invincible. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on the She's Invincible podcast. And do we have an invincible one to introduce you to today, Heather Stokes, CEO, Financial GPS podcast host, Financial GPS Mama TV host, Get Financially Fit International bestselling author, part of the SRS Collective, global speakers, plus wife, mom, <laughs> and homeschool teacher. <laughs> oh my gosh, Heather Stokes, are you invincible or what? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored, Tammy. Oh my gosh. I, I'm just so excited to have this conversation with you. We we do have so much in alignment and I know you have such a great story to share with the world. And mm -hmm. uh, just from our, our recent, you know, we've had many conversations over the last couple of months and uh, I'm just everything, every it's like every leaf unturns, right? Or there's like this other layer of the Heather that I get to meet every time we have another conversation. And I love that. So fun. You're so sweet. Oh, girl. Well, let's do this. Let's jump in. Let's tell our listeners how in the world did you get where you are today? And what okay. makes you invincible? Okay. Well, we'll try to make this a short journey, even though it's a long one. Um, okay. So I started out nowhere near in the world I am today. So I went to college for forensic psychology and behavior management. Yeah. So I actually worked for the government for 12 years doing mental health evaluations, evaluations in the court system. I worked in jails. I did investigations um, and I did Baker Acts. I worked at mental hospitals. So it was a very different world. I loved every minute of it. Um, it is in my nature uh, to like to work in, you know, criminal justice and mental health. But at a point in my life when I was doing really well, my husband uh, was flying with Delta Airlines and we had a limousine business. So we had the business on the side as well as us working in our careers and it had risen both very high in our careers at very young ages. So I was in my uh, late 20s. He was in, you know, his early 30s. and. Um, 9-11 happened and we had to restructure his work and his business. We made it through that. And then um, he got injured at work and was no longer able to fly because of compression issues from his injury that he incurred in flight. And then uh, when we kind of just put everything into the delivery business and I was still working and building my career, Everything we'd gotten stabilized again. He got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. He was the youngest patient in the state of Florida they'd ever seen. 
Um, but our lives really completely changed within two weeks. We had to prepare for him to possibly die in surgery. We didn't know. Um, I didn't even think about estate planning. I had an eight month old. <laughs> I was 20, 32. He's 40. These aren't things you think about. Here we had had successful careers. We had a successful business. You know, we had six and seven in figure incomes each year. We were making great money, but we weren't prepared. We weren't prepared at all to have everything come to a halt. And it became very difficult to navigate. We had to be very creative with money. We had to sell off parts of our business to survive it, um, to survive the cancer treatments, to survive the surgeries. And after nine surgeries and three years of treatment, um, it was a rough road. And the themes and tools that I learned in surviving that and having to go completely into survival mode for many years and then to make that switch back from survival mode into thriving took a lot of creative navigation. And that's what really pushed me into doing research in the financial world and how to uh, make money grow, have additional streams of income, have things outside of the norm and be creative. And in that journey, I decided, you know, there's other people in the world that are in the same boat. You go to work, you make money, put money into a 401k. You think everything's going to be fine. You don't really have any idea what you're doing. You're living for Friday night. You don't have a clue. You're making money, but you're not growing money. You're not securing money. You're not protecting money. You're not building a legacy. And when life slaps you sideways, you're going to be laying on the ground wondering how to stand back up and walk. And uh, I wanted to be able to show people that you can make yourself, you know, emergency proof. You can prepare for these things and it may not be perfect and beautiful, but at least you're not going to be knocked down to the ground. And so for me, being invincible is realizing that you don't have to give up. You don't have to give in. You just have to get creative and you have to be prepared. Um, and that is going to what's going to save you. So that is what I do. I do financial education with families um, and especially women every day because reality is, ladies, we live longer most of the time. And if we are not A, active in our finances, if B, we are not educated on our finances, and I do not mean just ours, but our entire families, we are going to be left wondering after a divorce, a loss, or an illness, how to try to make everything work. And if you're not prepared to take on those things or haven't done the proper steps to be in that position, it is going to be very catastrophic. And so let's prevent the catastrophic and let's learn how to survive and be invincible in those moments. Oh, Heather. Oh, that was such a mic drop. Wow. Right there. You said it all. And, and we are unprepared, aren't we? As my, I, I know people who thought they were prepared, who found out they weren't prepared. And they were more prepared than anyone else I knew. So I thought, oh, now we're all in trouble now, right? Yeah. yeah, like, oh, my gosh, that is not good. And as you talk about this catastrophic and especially, you know, now with the way medical insurance is and, and just everything ridiculous. Yeah. So, I'm, I mean, can we really be all the way prepared? Just give me that. Uh, tell me the last page of this book. <laughs> you can't. You know, no, nothing's 100%, right? But can you be ready to react? Can you prevent your family from ending up losing their home, from being in a position where you're on the streets? You know, the reality is 90% of them, or at least 89%, is was the last number of Americans are one paycheck from homelessness. That's reality. 
Oh, and it's a scary reality in the days that we live in, right? Oh my gosh. If the pandemic taught us nothing, (laughs) it should be that you have to be prepared that something crazy can come along and slap you in the face when you least expect it, right? You know, people had to learn, oh my gosh, I don't really have an income. This has gone past my grievance. You know, my job cannot open. They can't afford to pay me. Um, you know, a lot of people didn't know anything about having to turn to the government and then send them checks. And so I had a lot of clients that panicked, you know, and I had to get creative with them. But I had a lot that were grateful. They're like, oh, my gosh, you used to drive into my head about the emergency fund. And I didn't want to listen, but I went ahead and I put a little bit of money each month that emergency fund. And I have six months worth of my bills paid in this emergency fund. And I can't believe what you know, they could sleep at night where other people are going, what do I do? You know, right? yeah, like probably 90% of the world said, what are we going to do? It was bad. And even the thing about like a lot of jobs closed down uh, and a lot of jobs became irrelevant, right? They just weren't relevant anymore. Like those jobs They're went away forever, right? right? Like it, they never came back. So I think this is uh, this, this conversation is timely for sure. So you've paved the way. Let's jump in. Today, we are talking about multiple streams of income and money blocks, right? OMG. So uh, yeah, let's dive in. Tell us all about that. That is a real, real problem on both sides. But let's start with the money blocks. So one of the many problems you'll see and that I see every day with clients and with families when I sit down with them is the money block. And that is like, money baggage we're carrying on our backs, the heavy weight um, that we don't even realize, but ingrained sometimes generationally, right? Maybe they have a grandparent or great-grandparent that helped raise them or raise their parents. And it's been, you're never going to have enough money, you know, the fear of the Great Depression, all these different things. Um, Maybe they came from a family that they're the first generation that's owned a business or graduated college. And so the other words and things they've heard growing up were, um, it's never enough, save your money, rely on your your worker, just go work and make money at an employer, get a pension, but never really looking outside about what are all of the investment savings. You know, sometimes we're taught, okay, how to make money, but we don't know what to do with it. And we don't think that we're supposed to know what to do with it. We think that certain levels of wealth and generational success are left for the wealthy. Um, You you often hear people say, oh, well, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. It's only because the poor are letting themselves get poorer. There's decisions you can make that really can change your family's trajectory, right? And you have to take lessons from outside of your money story, right? You can't find the answer to your money story in your history. You have to look it for it, search the knowledge and write that new history in your future. Oh, so let's uh, stop right there. Oh, boom. There's your mic drop, people. We're, and that's the truth, right? It's like the same mind that got us where we are today is not going to get us where we want to go. And I love what you're saying, because so many times we look back, you know, we, we wonder like, oh, can I do this? Well, I've never done it before. I probably can't do it. No, you can. There's always been a time you've never done something before. And yet here you are killing it, right? And so I love what you're saying here is that you can't do this with your old patterns or your history of the old stories. 
you have to create that new story and step into it and live it and make it your own. Keep going. Oh my gosh, this is so yeah. good. Yeah. So the biggest thing, you know, I named my my business Financial GPS. And the reason is, is because if you're going to get in the car in Florida and drive to New York, are you just going to get in the car without typing any directions into the GPS? <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. I mean, you know, you're going to go north, but outside of that, you don't really know what you're doing. So why in the world do we trust ourselves to know what to do with our money? You don't trust yourself to drive. Why do you trust yourself to know what to do with your funds? You have to find something you can input all your data into. And that's what I like to do with people say, okay, this is where you're at. Honest conversations. That's the other hard part. People aren't honest about the money. And no one hard. wants to tell the truth, right? Yes. So if you have an honest conversation. You say, this is where I'm at, point A, point B is where I need to go. Bottom line, have to go this far, right? Point C is where I'd like to go. So the reality is people look all the way to point C and they say, oh, I want to be a millionaire and I want to go live on a, have my own jet and all these things. And And it's so far unattainable that they just get discouraged and they stop. But the reality is the first step you have to do is go from A to be and maybe not all the way to be, but at least know you have a path that you're actually going to accomplish getting to be one day, right? I love that. So that's called your financial independence number. And everybody's fin is different because we all have a different story. Some people in 30 years are going to have a house paid off. Some people in 30 years are just have bought their house 10 years ago. Some people um, you know, had kids when they were early, some kids People had kids when they were later. I didn't have mine till my mid 30s. So my responsibility is going to be more than someone who had their kids in their early 20s. Right. So it's called decreasing responsibility. But that really depends on where you started. So once you really know this is how much money I'm going to need, and financial independence means you have 20 years worth of money set aside, at least 20, but people are living longer. So I tell them 25. Some investors and financial advisors will tell you 30. You need at least 20 years, though, saved up. I can pay everything I need to pay when I'm at that age, 20 years, right? Maybe not now, because maybe you have more responsibilities, mm-hmm. but you won't have then. And so when you fully understand what that number, it may still seem unattainable, but be like, okay, you need $3.4 million. And people's mouths normally drop like, oh my God, how am I going to do that, Right. But you do it over time. And so when we can sit down, put it in the calculators and show them, okay, this is what you're going to do every year. This is what you're going to do every month. It still might not be attainable. It still might be three, four or $500 off what you can afford a month. But you have to start working towards it. Even $50 a month over 40 years can make a huge difference if it's in the right vehicle. So that's when we start talking about multiple streams of income. Yes, you may have your job or your business. And that's one stream of income, right? Sure. And some people might have a business and they work for someone else. That's two streams of income. You have your 401k maybe or 401b or some type of investment or retirement plan. Okay. So that would be a second or a third stream of income. But there's other ways to have streams of income. You know, a Roth IRA is a great way to have a stream of income because it's going to be in there for at least five years. Think of it as a long-term savings account. As long as it's in there for more than five years, you can take all of your money out with no tax, right? 
no fees attached to it. And that can grow around 9% up to 12%, which is a big chunk of change when you leave it in there for a time period. You can do juvenile Roth IRAs for your kids. Um, If you own a business, you can pay your children a certain amount and that money can go into that Roth and start building them. I've shown people how they can pre-fund their children's retirement plans. Because if you think us saving for retirement is scary, I can't even imagine what it's going to look like for those other generations. Because the reality is people don't go to work for the same company a lot of times for 20 and 30 years like they used to. You know, our grandparents and great-grandparents went, they were pensions then. Pensions are near unexistent anymore. You know, they went and they worked for somewhere for 20 or 30 years. They got a pension and that was it. Aside from the military right now, there's not a whole lot of pensions out there. Not even for, you know, our firefighters and police officers anymore. They've moved to investment plans. So understanding that when you're in your 20s and you're starting out is the ideal time to really start attacking this. But if you didn't and you're in your 30s and 40s, it's still not impossible. You're just going to have to attack it a different way and you're going to have to get creative um, and understand that you don't have to be terrified of the stock market. So many people are terrified because you hear all these negative and the news loves to be negative. The news thrives on being negative. There's entire documentaries on how evil and horrible and awful um, investments are, right? They're not all horrible. They're not all bad. They're safe ones you can do, you know, bonds and different things that can be done. But even in the market, what I tell people is when the market drops, don't get scared. Don't cash out. You're buying your stocks on discount. Everybody likes to sale on a pair of jeans, right? So what's (laughs) If you're used to putting 50, 100, 150, 400, $500, whatever it is a month, you're saying, I'm buying my investments that are continuing to grow. You're making money while you sleep, right? Sure. That's constantly going in. It's constantly growing. Well, last month when the stock was up, you only bought 20 pieces per se to make this easy. Now the stock's on sale, you're buying 50. Well, guess what? When the stock goes back up, you own more. So what are you doing now? Now you're making 30% more than you were making before while you're sleeping. So understanding that when you take any 10 10 years period of time, overall, you're not going to lose. The stock market is going to go up and it's going to go up between nine and 12%. Sometimes during the pandemic, I had people making 30 and 40% on their returns. And, And the rest of America is over here freaking out. And I'm going, just ride the wave. When we come out of that wave and they're like, oh my God, You were right. And, you know, it's just that panic mentality is so much easier to buy into than being calm and really taking a minute to look at your options and really fully understand them. You know, we don't get this knowledge in school because they, the rich people don't want you to have that knowledge for a reason. Okay. But believe me, when their kids were born, they opened an account, they dropped 20 grand in it. And every year they put thousands of dollars in it. And when their kids graduate at age 21, they're multimillionaires to start. It wasn't, there's very basic ways to do that too. If you can put, okay, let's think about taking your kids to McDonald's. Very basic theme. You're on the way home from soccer. 
and you don't want to have to cook and you stop at a fast food or a pizza joint. Anymore, you can spend anywhere from 25. I spent almost $100 last night just getting pizza and wings. Okay. It's ridiculous. So depending on how many people you're feeding, you spend quite a, a bit of money. If you just took out one of those trips a month and said that, that money, $25 to $100, I'm putting into this account for to prefund my kids, you know, help get them on the right path, help prefund their retirement, help pay for their college, whatever it is. You put that in there. In 30 years of putting just that amount, you could have almost half a million dollars. That's amazing. If you keep it in there for 60 years, they can retire being a multimillionaire just because you didn't pick up pizza. Like it, <laughs> it's crazy when you start to think about that. And so people sometimes will be like, I don't have money in my budget. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to make you make a money journal. Right. Mm -hmm. Now think about when you're, you go to see a dietitian or a nutritionist or a doctor and you're having a health problem or you want to lose weight. And they're like, okay, write down a food diary. Right. So what happens when you write down the food diary? Are you honest on the food diary? Well, you are. You are. <laughs> but when don't you feel guilty writing, I have a cheeseburger, but I put a salad with it. You know, it was, you feel guilty about writing certain things. So I tell them when you're doing the money diary, if you feel guilty about writing down what you just spent money on, because you have problems, you know it was wrong. Because I went to the bar and I spent $250 at the bar. <laughs> yeah, that was wrong. <laughs> Never go to the bar. Like, go to the bar. Go to Starbucks. Go to McDonald's. I'm not saying you can't ever have these things, but when you really sit down and you realize how much money you might be spending in a month at some of these places, understand you're making them richer. Like, instead of spending all that money at Starbucks all the time, Maybe you should invest in Starbucks stock and make some damn money off Starbucks every so often, you know? There you go. Then you're like <laughs> contributing when you go and buy your coffee. <laughs> exactly. Let's flip that story. So a lot of times when we're building mutual funds, we'll be like, oh, people, what toothpaste do you use? Hey, invest in Crest. Like, at least when you're buying your products, feel like you get a benefit off of that, you know? Oh my Let's gosh, I love that. mutual fund to include the places you spend money all the time. Right. Uh, well, you know, I want to go back to what you said about this food journal, because this is so good <laughs> uh, as it pertains to money, because as you said, like, are we telling the truth? Yes. Some painfully we are. But the next time we go to put something in our mouth, we think the thought comes in. Do I want to have to tell somebody that I ate this? And then we get better at the choices yep. we make because we have to filter it. Like, do yes. I want to tell someone, do I want to fess up to this or would I rather just not have it? And I think we could do exactly. that with money. Yes. That's the whole reason I get in the journal. It's the exact reason because it you're going to feel like maybe I shouldn't do this. And then you're like, well, next time I see her, I want to have a better journal. You know, yes, um, you can do it with a husband and a wife. The other thing I encourage is money dates, money conversation. If you can't have an open conversation or significant other, I mean, you two should be on the same journey right? You may have different funds and one might even be working and be staying at home, but you have to combine and be on this same journey. Um, it's okay still to have your own accounts and your own little different ventures, but overall you need to be going down the same path. So sometimes when I find a family where maybe the husband or the wife might be spending a little more and the other one's frustrated and they can't really figure it out, 
sometimes even having a journal for each other, like this is what I did. And what you'll find sometimes is the one who is getting frustrated actually is spending money other places. They're just not being as honest about it. And so that's a really funny conversation. But um, what it does, though, is it does make people think twice about what they're doing. After. And that makes it more real. You know, a lot of times we can justify things in our head. And just like I did last night, I'm like, okay. But if I get home and it's seven o'clock, then I cook and then we're not going to go this, you know, and I was like, I'm just going to get pizza on wings, right? So it happens. It does. And it's okay to happen sometimes. But sometimes we get stuck in that, you know, that convenience. And it's like, oh, well, I'll just order to go or I'll just have it delivered. And all of us got, I'm still going to go to the grocery store. So I got so used to stuff being delivered to my house. I'm like, if it can't be delivered to my house, I'm not even buying it. Because to me, time is money. But, uh, you know, it is sometimes you have to be like, is is that worth it? Right. And, you know, I'm in a position where, you know, that does make more sense. Because for me to go to the grocery store, shop, come home, load the car, like how many hours is that going to take me? How much do I make an hour? What is that worth to me? It's worth the seventeen dollars. Please just bring that here, and that is a conversation too. Is sometimes we don't stand, we we don't understand that our time is money, and that money is energy, and so sometimes we need to navigate that story, right? I and love say, what you're saying here. I, I'm ahead. No go. I was going to say um, the other thing is you save money by not going to the store because you're not impulsive. You're not up and down the aisles. I need this. Well, that looks good. We're not being like seduced. You didn't take the kids with you that threw five other things in the bucket. <laughs> right. I mean, all these things are so good, Heather, because I know myself. What you could tell who went grocery shopping at my house because of those tasty cakes and, you know, M&Ms and ice cream. <laughs> oh, don't go to the grocery hungry and, and make a list. That doesn't make it. Sense. And these are examples of small little things we can do sometimes that can really make a huge difference in our budget. A lot of times people get frustrated and they're like, oh, I just don't have enough money. I'm never going to have enough money. When you really sit down and look at your current budget, look for the holes, look for places you could find more money. I actually am really good at this and I can normally find anywhere from, you know, 50 to two or $300 within somebody's weekly budget that they just are mismanaging, right? But even if we're at a point where like, yeah, you're just strapped. Like, I can't find extra money. That's the time to say, well, we need to find extra things, right? And really in today's world, the sky's the limit. People are limiting themselves. You know, for, for those of you that are going to the grocery store, if you need uh, make money while you're there, like pick up that Uber app and, and deliver some groceries for somebody on your way home. It's really going to take like, an extra 10 or 15 minutes out of your day and you're going to actually make an extra 20 to 30 bucks or more. And so I've had moms, single moms that have been like, you know, I have the kids and like, how am I supposed to work extra? I can only work when they're at school. Well, I completely understand that. But we found ways that they could do work for delivery services for a couple hours here or there. When kids are in the car with them. They can pick up, you know, from Walmart, don't even have to go in and go shopping. Um, pick up their order and two or three others and go drop them off on the way home. And there's really, you have those abilities today that we didn't have before. Um, and then sometimes it's a matter of understanding where to invest that money 
that little bit of money you have to get the most out of it. But mm. the first step is understanding you do have the ability to make more money and not staying in that closed mindset of this is all I get a month. And that's just the way it is. Um, that's the first step is letting go of the baggage and having a new conversation with yourself and really saying, not can I, but how am I going to have a different future for myself and inevitably my children, my family, and rewrite that legacy, rewrite that generational path that it's within your control and make it a family affair. I say that all the time. Um, bring your kids into some of the discussions. I'm not saying burden them with, oh my gosh, these are our monthly bills and mommy doesn't know if we can pay them. I don't do that conversation because they don't need that stress and old soldiers at young age. But it's okay to say, we're going to have a competition to see who can fill their money jar the quickest with change, you know, and, and get little glass jars. They don't have to be huge ones, put everybody's name on it and see who can fill the jar up first. Um, have a chore list where they can make money for certain chores that they're doing. And then um, you can say, okay, we're saving for a vacation. Have everybody get together and pick three different options. If we do a uh, vacation A, it's going to cost so much money and we won't be able to do X, Y, Z. If we do vacation B, it costs so much money, but then we could do this, this, and this while we're there. You know, and really understanding why as parents we make certain decisions and, and bringing them into that conversation. So they'd be like, oh, yeah, let's go here so we can also do this, this, and this. Um, so including them in those conversations, including them in saving projects and making them feel like they have a voice when it comes to those type of things. Even though those spur-the-matic decisions, okay, well, we could stop here and grab food on the way home or we can go home and make soup and sandwiches. And then we'll have more money to put towards that vacation. Okay, yeah, mom, go make soup and sandwiches before they were crying about McDonald's in the backseat, right? Right. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, Heather, my new question is going to be, do you want pizza or do you want to be a millionaire? Yeah. <laughs> I am done. It's solid. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys, for dinner tonight, do you want pizza or do you want to be a millionaire? Oh my yeah. gosh, this is so good. Yeah. I love it. Oh, I love it. So real quick, let's talk. Can we address a little bit about this money story? So you talked about it on the front end. So what I would love to do is just tell people, um, how do you mentally, right? Because this is a mental shift. What is the, what are some of the steps you can do to start changing that money story? Because, and I, I had mentioned this to you before, I'm going to bring this up now. So people know where I'm going with this. Um, I know people that are broke. They were broke when they were making $10 an hour and they're broke and they make $100,000 a year now. They're still broke. And so when someone says to me, I'm broke, I say, you know, broke is a state of mind, right? Mm -hmm. And they're like, how do you get that, right? So let's talk about that, Heather. Let's talk about how can they be making a hundred times more than they've ever made in their life, still be as broke as they ever were? And how can they shift? Yeah. Well, the first thing is they have to, it's just like dealing with any, any type of, I won't say mental health, but in a way it is, it's whether it's any addiction where, whether that be, you know, smoking or alcohol or drugs or money. Um, money is something that we often mismanage um, and that we take advantage of, and we manipulate each other with. And, um, you know, sometimes it's I just, you know, if I go out and party some more or blow money or go shopping, 
I'm going to feel better and understanding that those material things, it's not really what's going to make us feel better. And that's really what keeps us up at night. Because a lot of times I know, even for myself, uh, when you went to sleep and you don't have a path, right. And you don't know that you're going to be able to accomplish your goals or pay your bills. You are stressed. You don't sleep well. Um, it's constantly in the back of your mind. And some people choose to drown out that fear that we have and that inner voice with spending more money, um, buying more things, or partying as much as they can, or going on big, lavish vacations, even when they can't afford it. So they like to look cool on the outside and they feel like they need to gain respect from others by spending more and showing how much they have. The bottom line is, and I had a similar conversation about this with my daughter the other day, is don't let other people, other things or ideals write your path. Because inevitably, what you need to be concerned with is that at the end of the day and in your future, is any of this relevant or does it matter? Right? Mm, That's so good. So if you have to tomorrow sit in front of fate, who do you want with you? What do you want to know you've accomplished? And where do you want to be? Is it at the stuff you bought at Neiman Marcus? Is it, you know, at the fancy restaurant that you just went to? Is it that big vacation you just had? Is it, you know, all the cool stuff you just posted online that everybody's commenting about? Does any of that really matter? Right. So, you know, we really got slapped in the face when my husband got diagnosed with the pancreatic cancer and, and all of life stopped. Right. Um, because it was such a major surgery and, and he had to learn how to eat again. And I'd feed him like a baby. Like his body had to learn how to process food again, um, little on walk and everything else. So uh, when you have a catastrophic event like that, you're forced to think of really hard questions. And you learn who your friends are, you learn who your family is, you learn what's important, and you learn to value every single day. But you also learn to not have yourself be in that position. anymore. That's what we chose to do. You know, at that time, we had two. And later, we had a third daughter. And so we want our daughters not to ever have to experience the things that we have lived through. We want to know that they are in a more secure state. They understand how to do different things. And it's it's choosing to have a clearer mindset and it's choosing to understand what's important in life. And it's choosing to make the better decisions that are going to put you in a better position and put your children in a better position. Do you want to be able to say that you bought them every purse they wanted and every shoes they wanted? Or do you want to be able to say, I put them in a position that they can have a better start in life than I did and they have some security in their back? Hmm. That that is so great. That's such a legacy, right? That we're able to to teach them and leave for them that they can do for others as well. So that's you know, amazing. When they're thirty, do you want them to look back and say, "Oh, my parents, you know, threw me a huge, you know, birthday party and gave me, you know, the coolest car and all these things"? Or are they going to be like, um, "Thank you so much for doing everything you could for me, and thank you so much for teaching me." how to save and look at these things that I've been able to accomplish because you made the right decision, taught me how to make the right decision. Or God forbid you and your significant other get in a car crash tomorrow 
can you go to bed tonight knowing that if you get in a car crash tomorrow, um, everything's been decided, you know, exactly who's going to get the children, you know, who's going to get the money, you know, there's enough money there to get them on the right path. You know that they're not going to have to end up in foster care. They're not going to have to end up on the streets um, or relying on someone else for their care and their funds. Mm, that's so powerful. Go to bed knowing those are all taken care of. You're going to sleep better. Mm, no, man, that's amazing. Oh, Heather, you're brilliant. And you're just, this is so great. And I was thinking of the word teaching as you were saying the word teaching is that whole give a man a fish and he eats for a day, but you teach a man to fish, right? And he eats for a lifetime. And I think, I think that that's the bottom line here is that, you know, they're following our example. They're doing what we do. It's generational and uh, the buck has to stop, right? It stops here and we can do better. And therefore, they could have better lives, too. And I just love that. Oh, my gosh. Let's talk about your podcast, your TV show. Oh, my gosh, your new book that you're part of. Tell us all the things we need to know about this. It's so exciting. Yeah. So the podcast is going for almost a year now. In June, it'll be a year. And that's Financial GPS Mama. And that's really just have conversations like this. Like, I just want to be able to reach as many people as possible and have real life conversations. When I talk to people like yourself, sometimes I have guests, sometimes it's just me giving value, but really say, you know, it's approachable. Um, that's why I chose Financial GPS as the name of my business, but mama, just so that people could relate to it. Like these are everyday tools that all of us need to know, that all of us need to be using. We need to know our families are protected. We need to know that they're provided for. We need to know that we can be on a better generational path and we can teach that to our families and our children. And that's what I wanted to be able to give with the Financial GPS podcast. And it's been a beautiful journey. I've really loved it. Um, you know, it wasn't easy like yourself. Let's throw one more self theme into the pot, right? Like I have a business I'm running. I have kids that I'm, you know, growing and teaching. And and let me just throw a weekly podcast that I've got to record and put out there, right? Um, it, but you know, you get used to it and you start to love it. I love having conversations with women like yourself and, you know, and, and men, it's not specific. I don't only have women on my show, um, all over the world, um, and that are making changes and can be examples on how you can make change in your life. And then, um, so I decided last week, like yourself, last mom, wife, well, it's been about months since I've been working on it, but last week we launched the, um, get financially fit. And so, I didn't go with the same name of Financial GPS Mama because I wanted to see, I wanted it to be more approachable for anyone, right? We all need to be more financially fit. I need to be more financially fit. This is an ever growing, ever turning ball of finances. It's constantly changing. Your needs are constantly changing. Your family's needs are constantly changing. So we all constantly need to be more financially fit. So I wanted to be able to have another platform that people could get information from and really learn from and really start to feel like, okay, this is approachable and attainable because so many people see money and finances as a scary or dirty or overwhelming term or idea. And I want people to feel like it's approachable and attainable. I love that. And then the book. The book. Okay. So You'll see books here behind me. That is none of these. So I wrote in the Becoming an Unstoppable Woman series. Um, that series ended in January. And this past month, we 
released another book. And this book is only me and four other women. And it's called Women Disruptors in Business. And so it is a look of women and like myself in different male dominated business industries. How do we thrive? How do we succeed? And what do we do different that allows us to be successful and not put into a box or pushed aside? And so when I was asked to be in this book, I thought for self hmm, disruptor, I don't know if I disrupt things, um, but it really was fun to take a little perspective and look back and be like, oh, I guess I do. Um, because most of the time I'm so diplomatic about things and um, that just comes from my history and family and my training um, to be you know, very specific and negotiate um, comes from my history. But what it really is, is that women, when we move into these type of roles, kind of disrupt the, the system, right? Yes. Um, people don't know how to accept us or how to take us when we are like, have an opinion or a voice or that we can learn and show other people how to do things. Um, so it, it was fun. I really enjoyed the book. Um, and it gave a lot of introspect to myself to realize kind of how far I have come. Like you said earlier, what makes you invincible? Sometimes we don't see ourselves as, you know, incredible or invincible or all of these things because we're just living day to day life. We're just a mom. We're just wife. We're just, we're business owner. We're, whatever hat we have on at the moment is where we're at. And we don't really step back and look at the whole picture of all the different things we've accomplished and be like, okay, wow, I guess not many people are doing it this way. (laughs) Who's got time to look back. We're trying to dominate the world over here. (laughs) Oh, we're planning world domination. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Amazing. You know, my friend um, is, she owns a a marketing company and she told me a few years ago, she's like, you're a disruptor. And I was like, yes. And that that was the first time I had ever heard that term. It was probably three or four years ago. And so, but yes. And I think you are too. And, uh, and the group that you're, that you wrote that book with, I believe that they all are. And I think that's amazing. And we need to do that. We need to disrupt the status quo. We need to disrupt, you know, those ideas that come from years and years ago. Uh, we Somebody needs to do it, Heather, and I, I'm so glad you are. So thank you. Sure. That's awesome. All right, let's do this. Let's tell our listeners where they can find you. Well, I am on lots of different platforms. You can find me pretty much anywhere across the board. But if you want to make a direct connection, um, you can very easily go to heather.sherisesstudios.com. And that is going to be where you can see all the books. So it's heather.sherisesstudios, which is S-H-E-R-I-S-S. Don't forget the two S's there together. T-U-D-I-O-S.com. You can see the books I've written in there. You can actually write me a message and I can connect with you directly. Um, so that if you do want to have like a financial needs assessment or know what your fin is or be like, please, Lord, figure this out for me because I don't even have the time to look at my finances. Me or someone from my team can meet with you to get that done for you. Perfect. And if you're listening and you didn't catch all of that, just click the link in the show notes. It will take you right to Heather and all that she has there for you. And you'll be able to make that direct connection as well. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. And just before we get to the good stuff, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly, I have this great announcement for you. 
We are starting the Pod Power Hour, which is a virtual event that's going to happen on Wednesdays at noon Eastern. And so if you've ever thought about having a podcast, if you have questions, if you are a podcaster and you want to come and meet other podcasters and learn what's new, what's happening, tips and tricks to be better at this amazing passion of podcasting that you have, we would love for you to join us. We're going to have experts there that are going to be sharing their genius. It's going to be amazing. So, and if you're a host and you want to come meet some amazing uh, people that could be potential guests for you on your show, come on out. What a great way to get exposure. Be sure to check it out on my website at camilehman.com as well as follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Whatever is your favorite platform, we will have registration there. You do need to register to attend. And it is on Zoom, so super simple, just one hour every other Wednesday. We start on May 4th, so don't miss out. Get registered today. We can't wait to see you there. You have moved from fighting cancer to discovering how to live beyond it. But what now? With so many emotional side effects still unknown, as a new survivor, you find yourself in a void as you navigate through the isolation, fear, and an uncertain future that can overshadow you and your family for years to come. Instead of focusing on the uncertainty of cancer, consider how strong and determined you are and think of the strength demonstrated by those who stood beside you through it all. Consider this. You now get to choose who you want to be and what your intentional, fulfilled life can look like. You made it through treatment, we can help you define yourself as a survivor. We're here to help you through this moment, to walk beside you as you shift your mindset from counting the days of life to creating a legacy. For more information, visit www.adventuretherapyfoundation.org or contact us at info at adventurefound.org. Well, Heather, this has been amazing. So, so amazing. It's been such a joy to have you, to have you share this. I can't think of a better time to talk about money and money stories and and multiple streams, you know, and initially, like you said before, people, um, you know, think multiple streams means more jobs, right? More man hours. When we look at our schedules now, we're like, we can't fit in one more thing. Right. Yeah. And so I love how you really broke it down to share like there are so many options to have multiple streams of income without increased man hours. Right. Without increased funding um, and and stress. (laughs) And so and I think that's so important for where we are right now. Just amazing. So, you know, on the She's Invincible podcast, we promise our listeners we're going to bring them fierce entrepreneurs and we're going to share their expert zone of genius. And you have done that so well today. So thank you so much for being here and for adding that value. But we're not done because we also promise them that while we spotlight these amazing, fierce, successful entrepreneurs, that we're also going to show up with authenticity. See, people are out there right now 
and they're grinding and they're overcoming obstacles and they're feeling how difficult it can be. And they're wondering what's wrong with me? Why can't I do it? Look at that Heather who's got her family set up. She's brilliant. She's an author. She's a TV host and a podcast host. And she's just beautiful. And they think there's something wrong with them because they're comparing themselves to you. And so this part of our episode is all about showing them, listen, you see my success, but you have no idea the price I paid. You have no idea what that journey looked like. So we are about to tell some stories. Are you ready? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) With a little apprehension, she says, okay. All right, Heather. So the first story that I would love for you to share is the one story about the good or the greatest part of your journey so far. Okay, so that one's actually naturally the easiest one to answer. So for the good, it actually isn't directly, it comes similar to what we were talking about being a disruptor. So when I was in the middle, uh, this was in 2021, and I had written Pink in my third book, or my third book has just come out. And my daughters came to me and they said, can we write a book? And I said, well, yeah, I mean, they had written little stories because they're homeschool. And as a prior summer, that prior summer, this was in the fall, they had written a little story about a giraffe. And I said, oh, yeah, I mean, if you want to, is a book, can we publish it like you do? And I was like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, if you want to publish a book, I'll find out how we publish a children's book. Let's just do it. Um, because at first I was at shock and innately, you know, here at Mo, you're like, okay, well, I don't want them to get all hype up and let's just go. But I thought, you know what? No, like if this is what they want to do, let's do it. But it was because they saw me doing it and it seemed attainable, right? So it's just like any other step that we take as parents is if you want them to do X, Y, Z, you have to do it. You know, and it's just like with your team, you can't expect your team, your business to walk something you're not willing to do or haven't done yourself. And so they were saying, we see you doing this. We want to do it. And they did. So um, this past uh, June, we in 2022, we released Body, the Curious Draft. Uh And then I that was they were six and 12 when that came out. And they worked on that together. They did all the illustrations, they did the story, they made their dedication pages, you know, they figured out all that. They wanted uh, certain profits to go to, to uh, different charities. One's a local zoo and then one's a big, um, the WWF, the World Wildlife um, Foundation. And then my 12-year-old said, well, I really kind of want to do a book on my own that's, you know, for a little older. And I said, okay, well, do you have a story? And she's like, well, you know, I have this short story I've been working on. She'd used it in her her theater class for like a little one act and a monologue like that. So she ended up just put out February, Samantha Plankon. So, you know, if I had never, if I never agreed, take on a little more and start writing in the Becoming an Unstoppable Woman series, I don't know that they would have ever thought that they could could do that, right? Mm. So powerful. Yeah, it was the middle of the pandemic and she writes to do this contact me and they're like, well, you write in the series. And I thought I hadn't even thought about being an author like that wasn't even on my radar. And I just said, "Okay, you know, it's a good way for me to reach more people and spread, you know, the word that I'm trying to put out there. And so I did it. But if I hadn't been willing to take that risk, they would have never gotten to hear and they would have never found their love for creating and writing. And so that is, that's, 
forever going to be my good that I was willing to take the risk and go on a new adventure. And that gave them the reality that they could. Oh my gosh, Heather, it's just a, it's a proven example of what's, what's uh, caught and not what's taught, right? They're watching you. They're watching you stretch and they're watching you step into these new places. And hopefully they will approach money from watching you in such a way that will make you so proud too. That is so amazing, the impact that you have on them and for them to be homeschooled and for them to be submerged right into the middle of your work all the time, right? As you all are sharing space there and energy and they're just, they're learning everything from you. And I just want that to be a reminder to the other parents out there. You don't have to say a word. You don't have to tell them what you want. They're watching you and they're going to model. So make sure that your behavior is worth modeling because that's it's they're like little computers. Whatever goes in is what comes out. And I love that you're having that impact on them in such a direct but indirect way. Right. That they're just they're just in that energy and it's just they're taking on their own spin of it. I love that. You should be such a proud mom. Oh my gosh. I got the chills <laughs> and a tear. Okay. Oh, that was fun. Oh, that was fun. Okay, Heather, we now have to tell a quick story about the bad part of your journey. Not okay. the ugly. We're going to save the ugly for last. Okay. Um, the bad part of the journey, I don't know if it's bad, but it's just something that you have to come to a rationalization with. And sometimes it's hard when you have a big heart, um, like I often do for my clients and, you know, my listeners, followers, is that you can't change the whole world. You know, some people are just not ready to receive the information, right? And you can't beat your head against the wall. I mean, there's been times I've sat down with people for hours, days upon hours, time, right? And I just feel like they don't get it. Maybe I just need to explain it a different way. But the reality is, you know, people, although they may need the knowledge and information, are sometimes resistant, just not willing to accept it because they have a different ideal in their mind. And so sometimes I, you have to step back. And so what I want people to understand is you're not, it's not always going to go the way you want it. Um, and they're not always going to be able to go down the path with you or the journey. That might be a coworker, that might be an employee. I've put plenty of hard work in employees and then they just don't, you know, do anything as to what you expected or wanted them to do for their own good. Um, or that might be a client. But just realizing that you have to set that boundary of points because otherwise you're going to end up and I've done it an overwhelming exhaustion because you're trying so hard to get them on that right path. And the reality is it's not your job. Your job is to give them the information and the knowledge, but it's really their job to take that. Oh, Heather, you, that is so beautifully said. <laughs> I mean, and because I know because, you know, being in business, like not everyone is coachable and not everyone wants to change, right? They they want the, re it's this, this like why we share the good, the bad and the ugly, right? They want the result, but they don't want to do the work. They don't want to pay the price. They don't want that. And, but yet they want that life. They want it. They are just not willing to go the journey. 
And you can't have it until you've gone through the journey, right? You have to pay. There's a price for everything. I love what you're saying here. And I think as we are disruptors, as we call, you know, or impactors in the world, that yeah. we sometimes find ourselves wanting something for someone more than they want it themselves, right? Yeah. And, and that's what happens. And we're, we become so drained from that. And it's because we are fighting this force of like, no, we want you to have a better life. And they're like, but I don't want to pay the price. And it's like this struggle uh, that we can't win, right? And then, and again, like there's other people that are like, help me, please, I'll do anything. And those are the people you want to give your energy to. But when you drain it on these others that don't want to make those changes, it's so hard. Gosh, I feel that pain because I've been there. I have been there. I have actually said to people, I'm starting to feel like I want this more for you than you do. And now I have to remove myself. Right. Uh, and I've done it. I've, and I know you have. It's, it's hard. It's hard. And you're right. It is a bad part of the journey. But it's because you are who you are. Some people could just cut them off, right? And be like, okay, the heck with you. But I mean, your your heart is connected to that, you know, want to help them and make them better. Girl, oh, the struggle is real. Get on that bus. All right. <laughs> okay, now we take a turn. If that mm -hmm. wasn't ugly enough, <laughs> share yeah. with us the ugly okay, part of so the journey. I'm going to tell this story and it's it's, it's a hard one. But I hope that listeners take away from this to not procrastinate. Okay. So um, I had a family that I had met with several times that had done some, you know, work with me on different financial forefronts. But we'd had the conversation several, several times about life insurance. And needless to say, they didn't follow through with some of the recommendations. I won't give all the details that I had given. And unfortunately, the wife became ill um, and didn't know. Then she, by the time they realized that she had cancer, she had a stage four. Um, she was gone. And, um, you know, I had encouraged them to get her life insurance because she was the caregiver. The husband felt she didn't need it because she doesn't work. I work. I, I pay for it. But she left behind six children and she was homeschooling four of them. So the catastrophic, you know, unfold that happened after, um, you know, and even though he does make six figures, he now has to, he had to take a large time off from work. He had to set up and have, you know, uh, people to help take the kids to and from school. The kids had only been homeschooled now had to go to school. Um, he had to hire people to help with things around the house. So that's what I tell families all the time. Like, just because you have someone who's the caregiver, what is that caregiver worth? Sit down and think about it. And so the ugly is when I'm in a situation that I've given advice. They did what we said before, chose not to listen. And I chose to take a step back and then you beat yourself up even more. You're like, this is the right thing to do. And I took the step back because I felt like I'd said this like a broken record so many times, you know, and there's been other cases where I tried to tell people you need a little bit more coverage, coverage, and they take it as you're trying to get more money out of them instead of trying to protect them. 
And I've had to go and give checks that I aren't help enough, you know, right. And the, you know, when I had someone past. And so those are the really ugly moments, the times when it's really hard because you wanted to be able to show up, you know, with a check that was going to be enough, you know, that it's not going to replace their loved one, but at least they're not going to have to have a life change outside of that being here as catastrophic as that is. And so that those are the really hard moments for me. Luckily, I haven't had too many of them, but that would say those are my hardest days because it is really hard to know that you can't help. Hmm. So I hope people take away from that. You know, please, if you if you don't meet with me, find a financial advisor to trust that you have good conversations with and be receptive and open to what they're telling you because we really, uh, most of us do really your best part and we really want you to be able to provide um no matter the situation Mm. isn't that interesting too that i went in that direction on the bad and here you are telling the story Mm -hmm. which i've never heard before from you but uh i you know i say to people all the time and i i follow this myself if i'm gonna pay a coach i'm gonna do what they say Right. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to pay somebody to work with me, I'm going to do what they say. Even if I don't agree with it, I'm going to do what they say because Mm -hmm. I paid them and I trusted them. And it doesn't stop just because they tell you something you don't agree with. Right. You have to do it because they know more than me. And Mm -hmm. I think that we just need to know that. That's why there's experts. That's why there's plumbers and electricians. Right. You don't call the plumber for the electrical work. Uh, And, you know, There's always somebody that's better, that knows more, that's more, has their thumb on the pulse or, you know, of what's going on in the world and can really foresee what's coming ahead that we have no clue about. And, oh, Heather, I hope I hope that this message just really pierces people's hearts and that they'll really take a different approach. Uh, But when you are finally going to hire somebody or, or, uh, you know, commit to work with somebody, don't question it. Just do what they say. You have to trust somebody. We don't know all the all I the mean, things. you can watch brain surgery on YouTube, but I wouldn't suggest doing it yourself. Um, so it's the same thing. You can watch stuff online all the time about your money, um, but without having someone that can truly give you a better idea of what to do with it, um, it's going to be pretty risky. Mm. Oh my gosh, this has been so good, Heather. Thank you so much for being with us and having this conversation with us today. And I just hope it impacts the world. Before we say goodbye, I want to do a quick shout out to uh, one of our loyal listeners who left us a review. Uh, It's from Bracket Alliance. They say Cammie brings quality conversation to the somewhat saturated podcast world. She invites great guests, offers high quality production and deep conversations with high energy and a bit of fun to spice up the listen. Cammie wants to add value to your life. And does so generously. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you to Bracket Alliance for that amazing review. And Heather, thank you again for being with us. And to our listeners, I don't know where you are right now in your life or your business, but if you're face down on the ground right now, get back up. Just get back up. Tell them, Heather. Get up and keep going and search out what can make it better because there's always something we can do. Oh my gosh. Yes. Get back up because no matter what it is, you can do anything. Thank you for joining us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please follow the show, submit a rating and review and share us with your friends. 
If you would like to chat to see if you can attract your ideal client and monetize your business through podcasting, please book a free call with me at camilehman.com. I can't wait to meet you.